0: man, I like this group. <laughs> well, what what? Dispatches from Planet Funk. This is the Ace style podcast dedicated to all whom the man tried to ace out by profiting from the soul without stopping to give props to the prophets of soul. Mm. Can you dig that? My name is Ace Allen. Some people call me Barack Wayne. And we're brought to you by the letter P. And we're sponsored by Pete, P-E-T-E. Otherwise call People for the Ethical Treatment of Earholes. Everybody around me is Funkin' Not Fam affiliated because funk is just fun with a K. That's why they pronounce it Funke. Would you agree with that, Jay? Yeah, buddy. Oh my goodness. I'm not even going to talk to you, man. I have nothing to say to you right now because <laughs> the woman is here. Yes. This is who we need to pay attention to. Chocolate. That was, is that really chocolate? That's her, man. Is this Patrice Banks? Is that her Funk box? Yeah. <laughs> right there? <laughs> Sitting next to you? That's it. Oh my god. I thought I was going to get sit- to sit next to the Funk box. Yeah, How man. come you get to sit next to it, man? I'm That's jealous. right Oh yeah Because you guys are cousins <laughs> So you guys are family right You are related Alright Yes Alright yes. right. And um I've been anticipating this for weeks Um I'm so excited This is a really important episode And I'm really glad to bring this episode to all of you Because you are going to dig it And we've got some serious school to take you to mm-hmm. Okay this is really important So first of all Let me break this all down So um this is part of our series of having guests back on who have meant a lot to ASL Podcast and really took a chance on us, especially in the first year of our show, yeah. when we were an all audio telephone show, back in the old days, Jay Stone. Yeah, revisiting. And yeah, so we're gonna revisit, and I've been wanting to have Chocolate out. Uh, she came out here from Southern Cal with her husband, uh, Don, and uh, it's so great to have her here. Sorry it's been kind of a hot one this week. It was really warm, but it cooled off finally. Um, You know, this is gonna be one of the most important guests that we've ever had, you guys. Um, This is one of the most significant figures in funk history, sitting right next to us on this purple couch, okay? Um, She's musically talented, but she's also so full of wisdom. She brings the truth with no chaser, J. Stone. Um, She's kind but assertive person. Uh, She often thinks of others before she thinks of herself Um, and we'll talk about that, Um, and she handles herself quite well, she knows how to get down. And having her here, it's not only fun because we're friends and we're family, but it's also an honor. And I just want to make sure everybody understands that. And we're doing you guys a favor right now by talking to her right now, okay? So you're about to get some school and you're welcome in advance. So, um, look, we're talking about Graham Central Station, okay? Graham Central Station, one of the baddest, most important bands in all of funk history. Yes, sir. Grew up from right here in California in the Bay Area. And uh, we're talking about, of course, the bassist Larry Graham, who came up in the Slime Family Stone camp. One of my personal favorites, of course, so many others, somebody I've tried, tried to emulate on bass. And uh, I'm talking about the OG band. I'm talking about the band with Chocolate, with Willie Wilde on drums. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about with Butch. I'm talking about Herschel Happiness and David Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Yes, And uh, wow, I mean, this is the group. And their first four albums are must-haves. Just ooey, gooey, churchy, badass, rockin', super duper funk, OK? And it's just all school, and it's all fun. I'm talking about the self-titled debut. Came out in 73 next year. Um, Release Yourself came out, Ain't No Doubt about It, and then she was also on Mirror. You know what, Chocolate also toured with such artists as Stephanie Mills, Shaka Khan, B.B. King. She's worked a lot, she likes to work with Wayne Henderson. She was also a member of Rose Royce for a while, a lot of people don't know that. Um... She even did a little bit of that funky fleet with Dr. Dre back in the day. She had kind of a funny meeting with uh, Eazy-E, I think she thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, and uh, this is her third appearance on the show, actually. Uh, she's been on three times, so let me talk to you about that, because this is part of why she's so significant to us and why we love her so much. So back in 2020, way back in 2020, right when the pandemic hit, uh, Jay Stone, mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess you were doing the Funk for Our Lives um, charity. Right. Right. And uh, so, kind of through that, I guess you started. How did it go? You started talking to her about Ace Out Podcast because she called me. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it was so cool around that time. Oh. All right, we'll work on that rehearsal later. No, 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 it's fine. I'm just trying to remember because, actually, what I'm trying to say is yeah. um, unfortunately, uh, the great Willie Wild passed away also around that same time. That time? When, yeah. that, uh, right when that right when that Funk for Our Lives was happening it was around the same time. Yeah, and that was a bummer. That really, really was a bummer because it was just when the pandemic hit as well, so people couldn't really check on each other or really convene. Right. And also Willie was, you know, he's, he wasn't having a great life. He was struggling, having some problems towards the end there. As we do. Um, yeah. So. You know, I I was just talking about how much he was an influence on me, how much I admire him. Yeah. But I do remember that a man by the name of Larry G was not really around to help with the um, remembrance of this man who was the original drummer of this funk band. Yeah, yeah. However, who did get on the hotline and called the bat phone was Chocolate Over Here. (laughs) Uh And so she she approached us because she heard about the podcast through you. Yeah, yeah and uh, because you're all cousins. And then she asked, she requested if she could use the podcast as a vehicle where we Mm -hmm. could pay tribute to Willie Wilde. And I was like, oh my God, yes. You know, it was like an honor. So basically what we did is we co-hosted, she and I, she co-produced, she actually got all the guests that we talked to on that episode, uh, including Rusty Allen, who's going to be on next month. And uh, we did that episode together. You guys, please check that out, by the way. That's Willie Wilde, episode 10. And that episode was deep for some people. We, we put that together kind of last minute, a little bit more of a scramble, but it really came out cool in the end. And it was an honor to do that. And while I had her, I was like, well, gosh, we should just do an episode on you, you know? Uh-huh. Now that I connected with her and we made friends. So the following episode, episode 11, one of our best episodes, in my opinion, is uh, with chocolate. Right. And that is in, I think we did that the summer of 2020. So, thank you so much and welcome back, Chocolate. Um, We're going to be talking to her about all kinds of stuff. I just want to make sure I point a couple of things out. She is a published author. I'm going to be asking her questions, a lot of them based off this fantastic book right here, Deja View. This has got to be made into a movie or HBO series, I think. So many adventures. Oh my God. (laughs) Please (laughs) read that book. (laughs) Please. Oh my God. And uh, I mean, it's just something else. And that's not the only book that she's done. She also has A Chocolate State of Mind, uh, which has poetry and short stories Mm -hmm. and Secret Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Um, Chocolate also has a clothing line. She does this with Stozo, right? Right. And uh, she has fantastic, fantastic stuff on One Stop Funk Shop. Go there. This is an example of just one of many great shirts. Look at this. People know detail
1: from P-Funk, right? Mm-hmm. what's that people know stozo's art people P-Funk. know stozo mm-hmm. from
0: p-funk he was right. actually on the tales from the tour bus that mike judge show yes, that, he was, they yeah. featured yeah, was. him on that
1: you see him in concert or whatever he's got a little nose, <laughs> red stozo. nose he's like, yeah.
0: the clown. <laughs> stozo the clown mm-hmm. and, and you guys uh it's, it's called chocolate clown right mm-hmm. yeah that's great mm-hmm. and i love it so much last but certainly not least and we touched on it already You might see that the funk box is perched right here. Well, why would that be here? We're just going to look at it? No. We're going to get down. We're going to play. And the Funkanauts are going to back up Chocolate, and we're not going to play one song. We're going to play two songs. We're going to play two songs with Chocolate. That's right. And boy, oh boy, Um, we got Osha here, and we got Randy G., And we're going to meet them and talk to them a little bit when they come out And we're going to get down with that Um, Okay, I just want to thank, real quick before we get started I want to thank JW, uh, episode 26, we love you JW Yes sir And um, very successful episode, everybody loved the song and how it went (coughs) I know he had a really good time (laughs) And uh, thank you so much JW, and uh, we love you man And we got great feedback on that um, Jay, you've been playing with, uh, Femi, uh, you did a gig with, uh, Punk Funk Mob, so that I was did. cool. Yeah, man, that was cool. It was at the band shell, uh,
1: in Golden Gate Park, built in, like, 1800, 1872.
0: Yeah, I saw some footage from yeah. that, it looked really, yeah, they looked it really was, cool. It so, cool, so, uh, shout out to Femi as well. Yes, sir. Um, next episode, we're gonna have Rusty Allen here. Rusty. Rusty's gonna perform, so that's gonna be good. Yeah. And I might be able to just relax and watch this time, you know, okay. and not have pressure for me to perform. Now I have to be like, not Larry Graham today. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's gonna say, he's not Larry Graham. She's chocolate, but that's not Larry Graham. He's too short and light-skinned. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's all right. I'll do my best. Also coming up, we have our boy Steve Pinnell. Oh, yeah. Funkadelic, Electric Spanking Award, baby. Shout out mm-hmm. to Pure and Funk Insurance. He's going to come out here. Maybe we could play with him. You know. Um, we're going to have Janice Marie Johnson, the bassist from the R&B duo Taste of Honey. That's right. <laughs> that's
1: right.
0: I don't know if you guys know, when you heard that song, you might have thought they were just singing. She actually is the bass player and the singer of that song. And the singing lead and guitar, that burning guitar, that's also a lady on guitar mm-hmm. singing the backup vocals. And they're going to be on the show as well. And you hooked that up, Jay. You know. Can you tell me about how you hooked that up? you can going to keep that a
1: secret, too. Uh, Friend, you know, just friends of friends and yeah, this know, guy is so mysterious. People, man, people have been coming up to you and be like, no, I know I know the podcast you do and whatnot. Oh
0: yeah, you said somebody yeah. uh, recognized yeah. you the other man, day, huh? Twice
1: at the coffee shop <laughs> in Santa
0: Cruz. Harvey and uh Patrick are here. Flex was here earlier, so shout out to him, but Harvey and Patrick are holding it down on the film, getting my good side. How do my nose hairs look? They look good. I I you know I decorated them earlier. <laughs> Oh, by the way, thanks to Richard That's Segovia right. for hooking us up with these gentlemen. Right on, Richard Segovia. Richard, I don't know if you remember Richard Chocolate, but he was in a group called Mabuhai back in the 70s who actually got to open for Graham Central like when you guys were at the Soul Train Club, uh, he mentioned oh, okay. uh, way back when. So mm-hmm. actually, so uh, Richard's a cat that we love. Yeah, he, he has the Caso Bandido. He's a Latin rock uh, timbali player who's mm-hmm. also a friend of the show. We have so many friends we're of the sure show you know. so many people helping us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you so much. I shouted out uh, a Chocolate's husband, Donald, who's here in the room with us. Mm-hmm. Scott is here as well. We don't want to forget the post-production crew. They're not here, but we're still going to think about them. Shout out to Nick Ways. Shout out to uh, Three Chards. Go to acedoutpodcast.com. That's acedoutpodcast.com. Go to us.com. Wow. I'm getting down to this jade just don't score man it's funky I like that little (laughs) part you put in Um, check out our album Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth our theme song is I Can Never Be from that album but do me a favor guys I'm going to ask you two favors first one is please like and subscribe our channel
1: yes please
0: please do that hit that love button But you know what else somebody pointed out to me? It's not good enough to do that, Jay Stone. Uh We need to encourage people to interact with it. So drop us some comment when you watch the video. Like, tell us what you think about it. You know what I mean? Tell us which one you think is handsome and which one is not. I already know what the answer is, but, you know, just let Jay know. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay. Okay. First thing I want to talk to you about, and thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't want to, you know, I want everybody to look at that. I mean, listen to that episode, episode 11. We talked about a lot of great stuff from the book. I don't want to rehash literally everything from that, but we do want to set the table because we might have new listener, new, new viewers checking out for the first time and might be getting that impression for the first time. And I was talking to Osha about this before. So hot chocolate, let's start there. Okay. What was the group hot chocolate? You just tell us. Okay.
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is very important work that you and my cousin over here are doing and Scott very important work. So, you know, keeping that funk alive to me there's no more of an important mission, you know what I'm saying? Cuz that's my mission also to keep the funk alive you know it, yeah. until the wheels fall off, you know yeah, that's that, right? right? Okay.
3: You right so, hard.
2: So, hot chocolate. Um, where to begin? So, I was with Larry. Um, we were a couple He was still with Sly and the Family Stone. Mm -hmm. And so I was traveling on the road with him. And in the meantime, he was producing my group, my little group we had. All the members of Graham Central Station were in it, except for the bass player. His name was Paul Jones. Paul Jones. Mm -hmm. So um, after Larry left Sly, he joined Hot Chocolate and it became Graham Central Station.
0: By the way, I wanted to ask you about that. What did you think about that name change? Were you with that or were you like,
2: huh? yeah, I w- Yeah, I was with it. I was with it because, you know, I, how could you go wrong with having Larry Graham in the group? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I was with it. I ha- You know, I think it was even my idea maybe a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So um, it was good.
0: I liked it. What, what was the first material, kind of material you were doing in Hot Chocolate? Was it originals from the beginning or just kind of like jamming or... Like what was covers, it? What you making? We would we would yeah.
2: do covers and rearrange them. I was doing uh in in particular, I was doing the song uh, Dear Prudence by oh, the Beatles. Right. Yeah, right. so we were doing stuff like that and nice. rearranged it. And which we kept that song when Graham Central Station started and it became Priscilla. Priscilla. Yeah, I love yeah, that one. Which Beautiful. was my really my best friend.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned her before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what who that was about. Mm-hmm. And I love that version. Uh what about um like, gigging, I can't remember. Did you guys, as Hot Chocolate under that name, did you ever, like, were you just, like, working the material out first? Or yeah, were you we were working gigs? the
2: material. And we did actually do a couple of gigs, but we didn't really do a lot because we were just getting started. And then Larry left the group.
0: And so we didn't do very many gigs. Did you rehearse at the house? You were at the house with Larry's mom, right? Um, Grandmother. Oh yeah, grandmother, grandmother. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Did you rehearse there or mm-hmm.
2: we, there? There was a room right. that was designated as the music room. So One of those
0: funky music rooms.
2: So oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so we did most of our rehearsing there until the neighbors started calling the police. Mm-hmm. So then we had to move it to a warehouse
0: uh, in Oakland. Wow. Did Willie uh, Willie Wilde have to audition or was he just kind of known in the cut or how did he come into the room? No, mix? he
2: didn't have to audition because...
0: Because uh, it was Greg or Rico kind of at first, but he wasn't really serious, mm-hmm. right?
2: Well, yeah, he was serious, but oh. you know, they they just, you know, sometimes you have a bunch of egos in one room that doesn't work. So Greg wanted to do something different. Also, Neil Sean...
0: Neil Sean was there. ...wanted to do
2: something yeah. different. So... Um, Herschel was in the group, and Willie was a friend of Herschel's Willie and Herschel and a brother named David Stallings, and Rusty. they all um, went oh, to school let's... together, okay so they all there was it was a clique of them, you know what I'm saying so they all shared information they all they did all the gigs in Oakland Wow, mhm- so that's how he Willie didn't have Willie had been playing I think a little bit with Sly before he joined the group, so no, he didn't have to audition. Larry already knew what he could do.
0: I wondered about that. You guys, was it a, in Fremont that you had like a warehouse that was almost, that you'd practice there, but it was like an informal club? Where was that like warehouse you guys used to
2: practice? It was in, I, believe, I don't think it was in Fremont. I think it, it was, was in Oakland. That was a long time ago. It was okay, ago. it was in Oakland. Yeah, okay. I think it was in Oakland. I might have got it wrong And you. what happened was we would rehearse all the time, like all the time, almost every night. I'm jealous so, of that, man. So- You hear that? Uh, People yeah. started hearing about our rehearsals and they right. started and then they started coming to our rehearsals. They started dressing up, so it made us have to dress up and before <laughs> you dressing knew up it was up
1: for rehearsals. Yeah, that's so yeah it was cool, a show. Man. A free oh show every night. Wow.
2: And we were just getting tighter and tighter and tighter. How so. many
0: people would how many people would be there?
2: Sometimes it would be like up seriously up to like because it was not much bigger than this room. Sometimes it would be 10 to 15 people in there just coming to hear us
0: rehearse. Was it cool? Would people be cool? Yeah. Okay.
2: They they were mostly friends and, you know, people mm. we knew, relatives and stuff, and other musicians.
0: Right. Gotcha. Uh,
2: as a matter of fact, um, Rafael Sadiq, yeah, 20,
0: he, 20. he
2: told a story uh, once that he um, used to go, he was a, a little boy, he used to ride his bike up to the rehearsal hall, and stay outside and listen to
0: us. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so cool, man. Yeah. That's okay. all school. He was a
2: Graham Central Station fan.
0: I'm jealous of that as well. I think um, we talked to Juan Escovito a couple, I think he did that a couple times as well, some people from his family, because they were growing up in Oakland oh, yeah, at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, most definitely. Um, there's one, by the way, if you guys, I want to say it again, uh, Deja View. Um, if you're a funk fan, if you like funk, this is like... This is like main ingredients. This is stuff you have to have. This isn't like just some kind of side stuff. You know, when people talk about the funk, this all, you know, P-Funk, 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 and we love that P-Funk. Or you're talking about Sly, 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 you know, we love Sly, or you know what I mean? But you really, Graham Central Station is the thing. And, um, you know, people write books, but she can write a book, and I, I even compared her to Richard Pryor. Remember that because mm-hmm. just the way she tells a story, there's pain in her life. There's tough stuff, but it's not like um, I don't know the way she talks about it, It's like she, there's a sense of humor to it. Um, it's very insightful and it's fun to read and it's a good story. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's, it's just well, I love it so much. Um, I want to this time I want to share just a couple of quotes from the book and talk to talk to the people about it and talk to you. Uh, one quote I like here on page one eighty seven. This is talking about uh, leading a band, uh, leading an organization. I thought this was interesting. You say that Sly was the coolest band leader in my music career. He taught me things that still serve me well to this day about running a band and treating people right. Larry never got that lesson. Hiding behind a religious cult organization won't erase the damage done by the greed and insecurity shown on his part. I learned for free how not to treat people who work for your organization by how horrible he could treat folks sometimes. You also throw in at the end, um, as sort of like a specific example, William Herschel never really got any credit for their contributions to songs, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's pull back. So the band-leading styles, will you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think that's so important, even for nowadays, just like leading organizations and musical organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, um, Sly was, even though he got... Um, Involved in all the things he got involved in, mostly the drugs. Um, So what took him away from the music and being ethical was the drugs. Because once you get caught up in drugs, that's all that really matters to you. So he was not trying to rip people off. You know what I'm saying? He was just doing his thing with his drugs. And and everything else went to the wayside. But it was not done intentionally. And it was not done maliciously. On the other hand, Larry, after going through this, you know, he actually went through this downfall with Sly. So for him to treat the members of Graham Central Station like he did was, you know, abhorrent because he did purposefully make sure that we did not get the monies that we deserved. We did not get credit on the songs that we helped to write. And, you know, he had us on a salary. You know, we we were on a salary, a weekly salary. What in the meantime money was coming in, you know, we were up here and Larry had all the trappings, you know, that comes with having money and some of the members of the group couldn't even afford to pay rent or have a car. Wow. So wow. that's that's the that's the difference in the uh, band leading, you know, style. So
0: Wow. So in other words, so people might, you know, because Sly is well known his drug struggles, people might assume that he was like just horrible at being a band leader. You're saying that's not necessarily true. And in contrast, because Larry was inside that situation, and he saw some of the problems that could arise. He should have known better. And, you know, he should have treated you guys better. Mm-hmm.
2: Because everybody in Sly, all the members of Sly, they all had houses, big houses on the hill. Okay. They all had all the cars. I understand the you difference. You know, Scratchy. all the, yeah, the, the 57 Thunderbirds and the cords and the, what, you name <laughs> it. They had them all. Wow. They all had all the uh, all the breeds of dogs, you know what I'm saying? All, all the Salukis. <laughs> so they had all the stuff because yeah. Sly was giving them the money. Right. Yeah.
0: I never asked you this before. Did you ever, do you know what Sly ever thought of GCS? Like, did he have any thoughts on Graham Central station? He liked it or didn't like it or no comment? Or? I, no,
2: I do not know. I don't have a slightest idea, but I do know that we had a, a gig and I believe it was Washington, D.C. and- Graham Central Station and Sly and the Family Stone and somebody else was on the gig. And I could not wait. I was so ready to do that gig.
0: (laughs) D.C., they loved you there, too.
2: Yeah, but Sly didn't show up. Oh.
4: So,
3: (laughs) so,
2: (laughs) because I was really looking forward to that one. Right. So, but no, I, I don't know what he I thought about Graham Central I'm not Central surprised. But I was curious. I, thought, I just mm-hmm. thought about it. It's like,
0: hmm, okay. Anyway, so you guys, uh, I was talking to Osha about this too. You guys had a, like a kind of like a real revival-like show. I'm talking about Graham Central Station uh, with the outfits and the audience participation. Uh, talk to me some about that. Like you guys would do the, the acapella, we've been waiting, and kind of go to the front and check everybody out, right? Just mm-hmm. kind of get the audience going. I, I love stuff like that. Tell us about that kind of.
2: Well, It got to the point where, well, no, I think we did it from the very beginning. What we would do is we would march into. So if we were like at a big uh, venue, we would go and march from the back all the way down the aisle to the stage. Or if we went a little club, we would uh, come and march, come around and march through the club all the way through. So that's how you that's how we would get people involved from the very beginning. I
3: love just
2: marching through the club or marching to the through the venue or whatever. And um, the music that we played was Deeply infused with gospel music. Mm -hmm. So that gave the feeling of a a revival, if you will, or people, you know, getting, um, you know, spiritually involved with it, you know, because funk to me is like, um, is like... um, a gospel song, gospel music. It really is because yeah, of agree. the way that it makes you feel and the way it gets you caught up and the way, like, uh, like in Washington D.C. and Philly and places like that, they brought the audience. They brought uh tambourines and whistles and all kinds of percussion. Oh, the,
0: the people, the audience would bring yeah, that? Oh, okay. instruments to the to <laughs> nice. the gig, so, so they, they would it. be
2: playing along with us. No nice. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, Walking in the I hope they had a good time. So that
2: would take it off That would take it to another <laughs> level, right there. Can you imagine thousands of people with all these different instruments, these tambourines and whatever else they might have had? I'm
0: imagining, Incredible. it and I'm getting jealous because it just sounds so. It sounds just so special and great. It was. It know? really
2: was. It really was. And
0: it's just hearing about how much practice you did, but then how, also how much fun it was. It's mm-hmm. just like. That's what I'm just trying to get people to understand nowadays, right, Jay? It's just right, like man. just trying to you know, bring it back to the level. And that's all Bay Area. Yes, okay, so um, the albums, because we really want people to check out the albums. How did how did the um, – because you said it was like uh, giving birth to a baby, the first album, the self-titled debut. Mm-hmm. First of all, talk about that um, the album cover. You got the dresses in Berkeley or something?
2: Okay, so the album cover
0: – It's kind of Mm -hmm. old-fashioned.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, at that point, we didn't really have any money, so we had to be very creative. So I went and got the dress, you know, at a secondhand uh, store over there in Berkeley somewhere. Yeah. And uh, it was really nice. So, And Larry and the rest of the group, the vibe of the dress, it was all, like, old-timey, you know? So we were at the train station. And uh, nice. in the background, you can see a, a little conductor man. If you look close, yeah. there's a man standing <laughs> in the background. So that's what we were going for. We were going for a vibe that, that would be believable. And still, we would look like, okay, we really thought this out. Okay? Yeah, and this yeah. is what we're presenting to you. you. We're giving you this vintage, old-time, you know, true school type vibe. Right. So that's what that was. And it worked out really good. That was one of, because I know that we work so hard and everybody, you know, uh had input on it. That's one of my favorite album covers.
0: Yeah, I know. You like you really like that one. Mm-hmm. And that's I like how you point that out. Like with what you guys had, you were real creative. With, and you want to mm-hmm. make sure people say you were serious. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the music. So it, was that recorded at the plant? Um, how long did it take you guys to record it? Did you just do it fast because you had those songs like so long? Or... Well,
2: yeah, that's why I said it was like giving birth to a baby because we those are the songs that we were doing all those rehearsals. Like for months and months and months we were rehearsing. So, you know, you carry something for nine months, right? And then when it finally when, when it finally comes out, you know, that's like a birth. So after all those months, we we played in um San Francisco a lot at this club called the Orphanage. Orphanage, right, mm-hmm. right. So Is that, that's where
0: you got signed, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after playing this music for so long and rehearsing so hard, you know, when we finally did do the album, it was easy to do. It was easy to do. The only thing that was missing was the actual energy, you know, because Grand Central Station was a very high-energy group. But um, what we tried to do was just have everybody in the studio playing at the same time. That's how we would do to try to capture as much of that energy as possible.
0: What are your favorite uh, cuts on the album, personally?
2: That first one, I have to say that I, I'm in love with that whole first album.
0: You're, the whole yeah that's thing my favorite through.
2: yeah the uh, first one is my favorite one
0: us two as well um was there um were those like the main tunes in your set were you kind of sitting on tunes i was i was wondering um preparing for this interview did you have like songs in the cut that you put on release yourself later or was that like a separate creation like how did yeah, that work out we had them Okay. We just
2: put them on there later.
0: Oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. So you were mm-hmm. playing. Uh, what, what did you already have, or what was held over for release yourself? Um,
2: let me see. What what songs were on release yourself? Let's see. You got "Release Yourself."
0: <laughs> okay, uh, "It's Your Kind of Music." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, "Mr. Writer."
2: Oh yeah, that was one. That
0: was one that Larry
2: had actually written all by himself. He had that already. That song was referring to Sly.
0: Now speaking of album covers, though. That that's not your favorite album cover, right? Uh, Release yourself. But I'm talking about oh, because we um, were
2: jumping up in the air,
0: jumping in the air in the I think in Sausalito in front Mm -hmm. of that church, and then Mm -hmm. on the back you're like you guys are all laying down, looking like
2: we were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that part. Yeah, we were we were everybody was laying down on the floor, and the photographer climbed up on the ladder and took the picture down like that. Wow, and it, it was kind of morbid looking to me a little bit. Right, yeah. That wasn't my idea.
3: Right, right,
0: right. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, so talking about all these different things with the songs, let's circle back to that. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think this is really important to point out to everybody. So I really want to underline this. So, I was talking about this with you on the phone mm-hmm. uh, before. So when you know somebody's in a band and you think they're a good singer or a good performer, you admire that. Of course you love that. Mm-hmm. But then you think something even more when you know that they help create that. So if you listen to John Lennon sing, you go, I like how this guy sings. Then you read the credits and go, Oh, he, he wrote this tune with this other guy, McCartney. Mm-hmm. And it raises what you think of that person, what you think they can do, what you think they're capable of. So I really think it's a robbery. And I'd like to point out, Like if you wrote a lyric, but then like you're told, oh, it's just a suggestion, and then your Mm -hmm. name's not on the credit, much less getting that royalty. I mean, that's a that's a big gap in the record. So we want to correct that. So like, what are things that you came up with ideas for? Like hair, your verse in hair, my verse
2: in hair. Uh, Practically every verse that I sang, I came up with. So uh, hair. Then there was a song called Do Ya. Which is one of my favorite songs. Yeah,
0: so you did lyrics for Do Ya? I Mm -hmm. love that song. Mm
2: -hmm. And I can't think of all of them right offhand, but we, um, all of us did Uh, the whole group. They all had input on the lyrics, also. Wow. Too. So we. Oh, is that is that
0: really true? Yeah. Everybody in the group. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. On certain songs, we all had input on the lyrics and the music.
0: Wow. Wow. So wait. Yeah.
2: And the music.
0: So. I mean, don't, don't, no offense, but you seem like an assertive person. You always tell me what you like or don't like, you know what I mean? So it's like back then, were you like, cause it was, you were younger or like, Yes, absolutely.
2: All of us were younger. The whole group, Larry was older, Mm. uh, you know, successful. Everybody was just glad to be around him. Mm. Just glad to be in the situation. So he took full advantage of it. He took full advantage of the situation and um, he just, we just didn't know any better.
1: That just don't make sense to, no, to me. No, it's not.
2: But you know, it's, it's you know, no excuse, you know. But everybody, you know, no, they started no doing that for a long time ago. Yeah. You know, black people have been taken advantage of for centuries. Should I say centuries?
3: Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> let just say whatever. Let me say, uh,
2: let me say, decades. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, it's nothing new. But you would think after a certain period of time that people wouldn't want to do that to one right. another that's what yeah. you would think cuz they know it's happening but and you know it's still happening right now i still really. hear of people getting ripped off right now today mm-hmm. and as far as i'm concerned there's no excuse to still be getting ripped off today not no, today not in today.
1: 2022 not even for war yeah. why why was there war in Ukraine. I mean, who who still trying to take over? Are we in the middle ages still?
2: Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, right.
0: you think people could love each other?
2: So, I just think people have to have that kind of spirit to yeah. be able to do it. Once money gets involved in a situation, mm. all kind of corruption starts happening.
0: I have a quote on that. Um Let's see. On page 181 you're saying, at the height of our careers, the group members were making 350 a week. Jesus.
2: That's crazy. Just barely
0: enough to pay rent, afford transportation, or live on. In the meantime, Larry's lifestyle was escalating, like you said, including all the trappings of success. How could he rip us all off so blatantly was infuriating. Just before Larry left Sly, he wasn't making any money, but Sly hadn't set out to deliberately steal from them. Let me ask you something. Like, how, when did the relationship end? Um, where you guys were no longer a couple. Like, is there a, is there a breaking point for when you like wise up to the situation and that? Where is it because you guys were romantically involved that you...
2: Yes, well, we were a couple for uh, about four or five years. And yeah. um, so a lot of things attributed to us breaking up, but the main thing was drugs. And the second thing was uh, domestic violence. Larry was uh, violent. And so he liked to hit women. And so uh, so I finally had enough of that. And I was young. If I hadn't been so young, I probably wouldn't have stayed in the relationship as long as I did. But I was young. And one of the main things is that, um, you know, I had gone through so much um, in this group, building this group up, from, from us playing um, high school proms to playing all the major venues in every country. I mean, in every city in America, mm-hmm. and then going overseas and all that. So I did. I had invested so much blood, sweat, and tears, literally, mm-hmm. into this thing that it was hard for me to let it go. Right. It was hard for right. me to let it go. But I just got to the point where it just was not worth it anymore, you know, and I wanted to see what I could do on my own.
0: Mm-hmm. And by the way, so I'm glad you mentioned that, and I wanted to underline as well that um you know this book is real and there's real truth in the book so there's you know she comes real straight with all the domestic violence situations she doesn't really sugarcoat it and there's a lot of a lot of specific, like she said like in general that was the general behavior mm-hmm. and she and she mentions that a lot there's hard truths to hear about your heroes your musical heroes but what's true is true and um you tell your story so well uh, one thing I wanted to ask about, and somebody mentioned her before. Actually, um, uh, our engineer, uh, Gabe, is Gail Madreau. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Gail and a lot of cats from around around here know her because she's a, a local fixture and people uh, people really admire her. She was young at the time, vocalist, mm-hmm. guitar player. And she, what was she kind of like snuck in as kind of like your understudy, but you two didn't know it? Or Larry <laughs> brought her in the group when you were still in. Mm-hmm and then she was in when you were out so do you right. think was that by design
2: yes it was by design during the
0: mirror album right mm-hmm.
2: yeah. it was by design because there was this uh they were they were planning when i say they it was larry and his uh, road manager natalie they were planning to um how they were going to get me out of the group mm-hmm. so this was their way of doing it however gail was uh, Larry's mother and Gail's best friend—no, let me see. Let me get this right. Larry's mother and Gail's mother were best friends. Mm. So Larry had known Gail ever since she was a little girl. I
3: see.
2: So um, uh, Gail's mother also was a seamstress. So she made a lot of clothes for Larry when he was with Sly, and then when he left from Grand Central Station, okay. she made a lot of clothes for us. So, um, Gail was always in the picture, very talented as saying player, butt off very talented. Yeah. So Larry, at the time Gail got introduced into the group, it was like, Gail is going to be in the group also, but that was not true. It was supposed to be Gail, both of us, but that wasn't true. So they got her in and she didn't know Gail didn't even know herself exactly what was going on mm-hmm. at all. She didn't have a Right, slice right. Idea. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so she felt a, a way about it when it, it all revealed itself. But, you know, we talked about it later. And I told the girl, you did not know what was going on. Because Gail was younger than everybody. Mm-hmm. It was like she yeah, was right. just glad to be there. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was an a awesome career for her, you know, opportunity for her career.
0: Why would you have to Why would you have to be out of the group? Like-
2: because it had gotten to the point where um, some had to give. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And we and we both knew it. Larry knew some had to give. And I knew that it wasn't going to be long before I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I was hoping that something would change and I could stay. But it didn't work out that way.
0: Wow. Let me ask you um, a little bit more about music. Because mm-hmm. I know we're going to get ready to jam ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I thought of? Um, so cause, uh, talking about uh, getting uh, bummed out about the money, not liking the money. I think Willie Wilde might have been the one of the first ones right. to say, okay, this so he was out before um Ain't No Doubt About It, the third right. album. Right. That's the, the one with the jam. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thinking, I just realized, is there was there like a Willie Wilde version of the jam? Did Willie Wilde used to play the jam? Or did mm-hmm. that come? Okay. <laughs> we played the jam
2: from the very beginning. How wow. can we
0: get a recording of that?
2: Um I have one.
0: Oh. You got one what, what, what format's I- it in?
2: I want to say a cassette, but that's no problem, though, right? Yeah, yeah, we got, okay. we got to
0: digitize that. Okay. We do. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I have,
2: we I have plenty of tapes with uh, Willie
0: playing. Is it? Um, oh wow, that's great! Mm-hmm. Is it live, or is it like in the studio, or what? What, what are the recordings of? Were you guys like uh, rehearsals, or?
2: And I think that 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 um, Scott had a poster of a Kizar uh-huh gig we did. I think Willie was on that one, and that's on YouTube. I think Willie played on that one. Oh wow, 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 wow! At the Keysar Stadium.
1: S.F.
0: Snacks is what that poster was mm-hmm. called, or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Dude, that
2: excuse I me. I think f- Willie is on that one.
0: Excuse me for saying, because I mean it's so classic and Homeboy on, you know, on the album is great, but that sucks, man. That Willie Wild wasn't. You I know, right? I mean?
2: yeah, it does. It does <laughs> because Willie was there from the very beginning. Right. Willie and Herschel were in the studio. I mean in the music room just waiting on us to start so they were in there just jamming so they are the ones that so actually
0: they're the ones that yeah, came up with that really yeah. oh, wow. wild and, and Herschel happiness the exactly. jam. Exactly. Yes. Wow. wow. Yes.
2: And Larry came in and while they were playing and he just sat down and you know started playing with them vibing uh-huh. with them. And so that's how that
0: happened. Mm. Damn. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow.
0: Um, I'm so glad, I'm so glad all this information. And let out. me say
2: this. I yeah. have to say this yeah. too, because I was talking to Herschel. I talked to Herschel often. Mm-hmm. So okay. I had, I heard a blues song and at the very beginning of the blues song, it went doom, 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 doom. And I said, I couldn't believe it. So I, t- I, uh, I called Herschel, I said, Herschel listen to this song right here. It was a blues song. I can't think of the name of it right now. And so he said, oh, you think that's something? He said, here, yeah. he said, listen to this. So he sent me another blues song, and it, went, it did the same thing. It went, dum, 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 dum. And that's what he and Willie were in the music room playing that day. And this song is a blues song called I'm Going Down. I'm going down, going down, 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 right. down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how that whole thing started. What? And I didn't even know that. I just found that out like last month. Wow.
1: Whoa. So Willie and so Herschel were in the of-
2: music room playing that song. Then Larry came in and then turned to the jam.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow.
1: Oh, you know so that deep. song I'm
0: talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. it starts Most out dun, 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 yeah. it
2: starts out just classic. like that
0: so you um you and Herschel are cool yes Herschel didn't come on to our Willie Wild episode right you, did you ask him
2: yes Herschel is a devout Jehovah's witness mm-hmm. and so he has <laughs> so totally separated himself from like he hardly has anything at all to do with music anymore mm. he's he's dedicating himself solely to uh you know
1: Jehovah the say, ministry. He used to work at Safeway. He used to work at Safeway. Oh no,
2: he lives in he lives in a place way remotely out somewhere in New Mexico. Oh really? He moved. Oh okay. Yeah, he, oh. okay,
1: yeah, he, used to he live is live far out Richmond. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. He
2: just moved not that long ago. Wow, I heard. That he yeah, must he have was retired a Richmond, in Richmond. Oh yeah, he retired.
1: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If Herschel be watching this, I miss you, brother.
2: He's gonna watch it. I told yeah. him about it. Oh
1: see, because mm-hmm. that's my boy. Who yeah, else he's
2: gonna watch? Who it. else you cool with? Um, nobody's left. Except that. for Larry, and yeah. we don't talk. So it's just Herschel. Like, Butch passed. Um, Willie passed. Sorry to hear about those. Yeah, too. Butch and Willie passed. David passed. Mm-hmm. So that just leaves me and Herschel and Larry.
0: Wow, isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Isn't that something?
2: That is something. And I miss him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Because mm-hmm. Butch, he he and I went to school together. So I yeah. made the call to get him in the group.
0: Yeah, let me. I was going to ask you about that. Let me just ask you about that now mm-hmm. since you brought it up. So tell me about that. What was the group, Bobby and the Promises, that you used yes, to
2: Yes, we had a group in high school. Tell me about that. Bobby and the Promises. Well, Butch, he was a big Billy Preston fan. <laughs> he loved, that was like, Billy Preston was his, like, everything. Yeah. And he moved like Billy. He played like okay. Billy and everything. And I met Billy. We used to hang with Billy through Butch because Butch was playing with Billy for a while.
4: Yeah. Right.
2: So, um, so. He wanted to be, he wanted a group. So he was going to be Bobby. And so it was me, Priscilla, and my other friend Jackie. We were the Promises. So Butch could play the heck out of the organ, okay? But he couldn't sing all that good, but he wanted to sing. (laughs) But he wanted to sing. So the Promises would do the singing, but he was out front, and we were in the background. So that's Bobby. I have a picture, and in that picture, um, Tony Maiden... And uh, oh, homeboy yeah. Bobby.
0: Rufus? Yeah, yeah. They were
2: playing in the band behind us. Hi. Watson, wow. Bobby Watson, right? Bobby Watson. Yeah, mm-hmm,
0: that's man. that's cool, man. Mm-hmm. That's really wow. cool. When did you stop the group? Um uh, what was the gap between when you, you circled back and got uh, butch for the uh for GCS? Like how long had you been apart? Um,
2: right after Shortly after Larry joined the group, because we needed another keyboard player, did he
0: also move to the Bay Area?
2: Yeah, he, for all practical purposes, he came and moved because uh, Larry had a big house, so he came and he moved up there uh, with us and um, stayed there for a while. Left his wife and everything. Oh, yeah. she would she would come up and visit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he came and moved in, and because we were rehearsing, like getting ready, like. Rehearsing was serious and we rehearsed every single day, almost all day and all night. That's super so, cool. Super
0: oh, cool. Man, that's so fun. Mm-hmm. That is so fun. So I would love that. Fun. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, Butch had to be there so that he could uh, learn the stuff. Yeah. Wow,
0: he really wanted to be in.
2: hmm He did. He admired Larry. hmm
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I bet. How couldn't hmm How couldn't
1: you? That's mm-hmm. that he invented that. And you he know? was so
2: glad when he got that phone call. When I called him, it was like, Butch, guess what?
1: Uh, <laughs> you, really? have, you ever heard of Larry Graham? <laughs> 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 We're about to put this group together and we need
2: somebody. Wow. So, yeah, like I said, he left. He had a whole life in L.A. Oh, man. A
1: right.
0: wife, a right. house, yeah, yeah. all
2: that. And he left it all and came.
0: Baby, I wow. got to go. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, um... I want to talk to you about a whole bunch of other stuff, but we should just get some music uh, going and stretch out a little bit. Sounds good to so me. So let me ask you real quick. Tell us about the Rhythm King. This. This Is Is this it?
2: Yeah, that's is it. it I, that's the F-U-N-K this, box.
0: This isn't like a cake you made at the cake shop. <laughs> no, this is a real,
2: I, no, this isn't the cake. This is a real thing. The real wow.
0: Thing. When did we start with this? Tell well, us about this.
2: Well, we started with this when when um, Graham Central Station, when Larry joined the group. Mm-hmm. And... I did not want to be just a chick singer standing up there singing and hitting the tambourine. I wanted to be a part of the mix, the tapestry, that funk tapestry, you know? So I told Larry, you know, we have to come up with something for me to play. So Larry came up with the idea for me to play that. And that was fine with me. That was right up my alley. So that's how I started playing that.
0: One thing um, I didn't ask you, like, how how long did—well, you guys practiced all day long. So how long did you have to— How much work do you have to put into it before you really started to be like, hey, I like this? Was it right away or is it like? Yeah, it was
2: right away because I wanted to do something so bad. Mm -hmm. So it was right away. Like, I couldn't even get Willie to show me some licks because, you know, it's a drum machine. I'm like, can you show me? So I had to figure it out by myself. So (laughs) my little solo, I figured it (laughs) out all by myself.
0: And by the yeah, way, he was hating. <laughs> he was wow. hating,
1: right? He was like, this is going to put me out of business. <laughs> like, yeah. He saw the writing on the wall. And Willie
2: was so bad. That boy could play the drums. Like an he octopus. could play. And also, let me shout out his brother. He had a brother named Ted Sparks, who was also a drummer. Mm. Like when Willie first left the group, Ted came in right away oh, and pinched him. Oh, yeah, I remember Ted. you. told me that. And, yeah. Yeah, and cool. then, then he played, after that, Ted got a gig with Natalie. Um, Cole mm-hmm. and played with her for many years. He wow. was also back.
0: Wow. Right on, man. Right on. Mm-hmm. Well tell you what, uh, let's get into it. Dude, by the way, you guys, we had a rehearsal yesterday. That was an interesting experience in my life. And let me tell you something. That thing sounds good. It was just like listening to the record. Oh man,
1: just like, just like. It.
0: I don't know why. I didn't really doubt it. It's just when I, once it was like, I knew she was bringing it, but once right. we hooked it up and like it was playing and like she was playing it, I was like, oh my God, here we I go. I mean,
1: anybody can play that, but the way she plays. Yeah. Like she clearly freezing. has it unlocked. Yeah, I mean, until yeah. you actually play it's with muscle her playing memory, that, You know what I'm right, saying? Right. I can it, tell. you, just incredible. right back.
2: And I want to say about this machine too. Yeah, that go ahead. Um, I left the group. And I did not take my machine with me, but uh, it was that exact machine right there. But I didn't take it with me. So Stozo gave me this.
0: Oh, machine. okay. He gave Shout it to out to Stozo. Bless yeah. you. Bless mm-hmm. you. Dude, yeah. that that's smart, man. Mm-hmm. And um, you are, if people don't realize that, I should say this. You are actually technically an innovator in just using this machine. Oh, I'm telling you. Who who brought something like this on a stage live before her?
1: Never. No one.
0: We have to look you know nope. what I mean? Who, no who would that one. be? know yeah. what I mean so it's just we're just talking that's what I mean that's what I'm trying to tell you this is the woman here you guys Yeah. I just made myself nervous are we going to play with her <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel sick I gotta go home <laughs> I mean
1: this is a, an incredible little thing tell you what let's, is...
0: let's, let's uh, bring the boys in here we'll jam a little bit I'm going to ask you a few more questions before we go though okay. we'll come back and then we'll play a little bit too uh, we'll play a second song later okay. alright guys sounds good alright alright let's do it
4: ah. a nephew.
0: Good God Almighty. That was something else. And by the way, you guys, um, I want to just make sure that we point out. So we got our brothers from the knots playing with us, Jay Stone. That's right. From the album, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. That's so true. Randy on the drums, uh, he's the man, dude, and it's good to see him. So he's on our theme song, yes, sir. I Can Never Be. What that means is every time you start watching an Ace Out podcast episodes from episode one to now episode 27, that very first, that's our boy. So you didn't know you had a celebrity in here. Um, He also plays on, you know, Fully Mentalized. He represents on that. I remember when the three of us got that song together originally. Uh, We got that together at Soundwave. Um, I mean, Randy G plays on the song Planet Funk, okay? He plays on... I mean, we're dispatches from Planet Funk. He plays on, uh, I think, Stay True, Some People. Uh, by the way, OSHA, he's also on Funkin' Night. He's played right. lots of Funkin' Night gigs. Uh, is he playing What About the People? I know he, he plays, plays on the Bible. Yeah,
1: he's playing on uh, a bunch of that stuff. I can't just tell you what it Ta- is right off the top
0: of my By mind. the way, um, so OSHA, we talked about him last time, but it, it got cut because it wasn't like we had a little problem with it technically. So I just want to point out. so... My brother was in Timex Social Club. Osha Vernon
1: Savage.
0: Osha Vernon Savage. Um, he is on, I pointed this out before, he's, he is on the Boys in the Hood soundtrack, there OK? Is. Yep. And uh, this dude is a just a cat, man. He, he's a gigging cat. He's played everywhere. He's done everything. And we love Osha. I told him I wanted him to get him back in because J.W., he was like a real strict band leader of like how he um, designed that song. Yeah. So Osha and I were, like, doubling the, dun, 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 like, right, the yeah, baseline, yeah, So he just, are. like, he just told us, you know, you need to lock. It was all about lock with JW. You got to lock. So, you know, that we were funky as hell. But I was like, dude, you, that's not everything that my man can do. So I'm all, we got to have him back in again. So he's he's ripping and roaring here with chocolate because he gets cool. to stretch out with that chocolate funk. You know, uh, one part, uh, Jay Stone, when we did the episode 11, right? Right. The episode 11? Uh-huh. I was uh, preparing my little interview. I was getting ready. It was going to be the first time uh, interviewing Chocolate, and I was all proud of myself. I had this great idea. We're going to start off the inter- We're going to start off the whole show with "I Can't Stand the Rain" from uh, "Ain't No Doubt About It" album. And I was like, she would love that so much. I was like, all proud of myself. I was in the middle of reading this book at uh-huh. the time when I was planning this. I got to the part in this book where she said how angry she was and how much she doesn't like. She loves the song, and right. they always did that song as a staple. Mm-hmm. The album version of that song was like, isn't that right? And yeah. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. Dude, you guys have to do your research. Read your books, because I almost had egg <laughs> on my face. I would have ruined the whole vibe of it. The... Imagine if I started it off with that. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, I'm why not... is it that you were mad about that? Sorry, J-Stone, what were you to ask? I was just
1: going to say, I, I, I have serious exim. And I listen to
0: whatever. Serious?
1: Story. Yeah, yeah. Is is that a remake?
0: Mm-hmm. It's, oh, a yeah, remake. it's a remake. A mm-hmm. remake. And Peebles, okay. right? Yes. Like, yeah, because yeah,
1: right. I'm always seeing. I'm like, man, I wonder if Larry made that first or after. You
2: know? No, okay. so we. It's a remake. Yeah. Beautiful. So the reason why I didn't like it is the the version on the album is because you know. You know how you uh, sing a song? You're just singing it down to warm up and, you know, get ready to do the real thing. You are doing like a So that's check. what I was doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he kept it.
4: He kept it. That's
2: again, why I have always hated that, oh,
0: and I'm, that okay. version of that song. First However,
2: of all. let me oh, say yeah, this. Ahead, ahead. I do have a, when um, the group, we had a reunion tour in 96. And, right. um. We did the song, where were we? Is Fillmore West or someplace East some um, yeah. Fillmore, what is it? The Fillmore what? Yeah, West? It, it's yeah.
1: Francisco and Fillmore, okay. in
2: New York. E- okay, okay. So we did of we did I Can't Stand the Rain and I love that one. It's a live version, it's on YouTube. All
0: right. Y'all okay. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Like check it, that out. Yeah. That one. <laughs> what I was gonna say what I was gonna say is I know when like somebody else, like Larry had to do a vocal, I know they didn't say, okay. You know what I mean? I know oh, no, they gave him some time. to make mix-
2: He, he right. did that. He personally, that was his call. I'm like, Larry, okay, is it time to do it again? Oh, no, that's cool. We're going to keep that one. Mm. I, I was so upset. So he chose to do that for whatever reason that night. I, I do not know why. Wow. But that was so, I was so upset.
0: Yeah. Did, any, Stone. did anybody speak okay. for you? Anybody Was anybody else upset on your behalf? Or was no. this kind of...
1: Cause you know, just when you, you record, know. you just be trying, just trying to get through the whole thing. Sure, you're trying go, to warm up. I'm sure she's just to, checking her levels. Then you check listen your to levels, and yeah, yeah, yeah. then you come back with that power. But then you, you never come got back. That chance nope to do I that. never did.
0: And right. you know right. what? People gonna put the all out. the
2: tell all the time tell me how they love that song.
0: Right, right, and it probably just tans your high like, You don't he even just know. You don't even know what you're like. Thank you. That's right. It tans my height you're like oh my god <laughs> oh my god just another so person. that's
2: why i like the live version that's so, on youtube so right a now a live I was redeemed there you go there
0: mm-hmm. you go well right. i know that was a staple right you guys have been doing that song for a while yes you, going back we to hot chocolate from the very beginning yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i, I, I kind of thought so mm-hmm. did you um did you choose that song are you i chose fan? it okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah i love that song yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't do that, though, because Jay Stone, I was going to do, like, a whole motif around Ooh. it. She would have killed me. Oh, my God. Um, okay, let's talk about after. So, like, you got a solo deal. Mm-hmm. First of all, they tried to stop you from getting a solo deal when you left GCS, right? They actually
2: did stop me, yeah. So you,
0: did you have something going with Warner Brothers?
2: Right. Had a meeting, uh, had it all hooked up, was going to have a meeting with Warner Brothers, and... Um, Somehow, Larry and uh, Natalie got to him, and uh, at the end of the day, the meeting was canceled. That whole thing was squashed. However, I didn't let that stop me. I continued to move on, and I ended up with a record deal with this company out of New York called T-Electric.
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. So initially, you were hooked up with um, a great drummer, producer, worked with Miles Worth of Herbie. Endugu is Indugu
2: a chancellor, chancellor, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But um at some point they switched them out. Who who uh, who was in charge of T Electric?
2: His name was his name was Jim Tyrell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's since passed. But um it was a brand new company. And what happened was Ndugu produced me. We did these four sides and what did was, you guys
0: envision, you and indugo? Like what what were you going to do? Um
2: we you know I was gonna stay heavy on the funk. But nice. then add some, you know, just a little teeny tiny bit of maybe a little pop stuff, just about that much. Yeah. But I was trying to stay heavy on the funk. So Indugu saw my vision, and when we did the demo, um, that's what we did. So we took it to the record company. They loved it, but, but they, they did like
0: it. Mm-hmm, okay. But
2: they didn't. They didn't want Indugu. So that was what
0: happened there.
2: So what happened was I went to him. I told him Indugu. I can't, you know, I cannot pass up this opportunity. I've been, this, you know, I've been waiting on this for a lifetime. I cannot pass it up. So we worked it out where the record company paid him for the, uh, monies that he has spent while, cause I was signed to his production company.
0: Now that now, so now the album, the album did change, uh, you weren't heavy on the funk on that album. No, I wasn't. So what, what was that process?
2: Well, because they had a, the record company, they had another vision for me. They were trying to take me in a pop direction, like a Whitney Houston type direction. Is that you know? why they
0: got rid of Ndugoo? Or is no. it was not related? Okay, okay.
2: They just had their own ideas for who they wanted to produce me and stuff and how they wanted me to sound. So I said, well, okay. Um, I finally got my record deal. If this is the way they want to do it, fine. We'll do it this way. And then the next album... I could do it the way I want to do right. it. So the the record was finished, but before it had a chance really to get released, the record company went bankrupt. <sighs> <laughs> so so that's what happened with that. However, wow. my album in certain parts of the world people you know have gotten a hold to it and it's become like sort of like a cult. A cult yeah, it wow. has like over in Japan and some parts of Europe. Yeah.
0: Didn't they play the cut um on the radio, didn't they?
2: Mm-hmm. For a minute, yeah. one call. I want to get next to you.
0: Did wanna you get write close to
2: you? I mean, did
0: you wrote. Did you write on that album? Yes, I
2: did. I certainly did.
0: Who did they pair you up with? Um...
2: Uh, a brother named Dunn Pearson. If you Google him, you can see he got. He has so many accolades. I can't even. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Uh, so it was mostly him that he paired me up with, and I had all the best musicians in. Um, New York, I mean, all the best ones, and um, also the vocal support, um, Tawatha AG, You know who she is with M. too, May. Yeah. yeah, she sang with me. She did. She did almost all the songs on my album. Background vocals. Oh, I didn't know uh-huh. that. Uh huh. And a girl named Sybil, and um, so I had all the best of everything. It's, it's a wonderful album. It sounds wonderful. It's beautiful, but mm-hmm. the thing went bankrupt.
0: So, and the, this is during this period. Uh, after GCS, you were involved with a lot of different things, a lot of different pods, Um, some things you're trying to uh, get together, like gestate, some gigs that you picked up. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a few of those. Um, like Bad Baby, that was a group that you had, right? Mm-hmm. Bad Baby, you came up with the name? Yeah, that Who was, was in that?
2: shortly after I left uh, Graham Central Station. So uh, David from Santana was in that. Mm-hmm. And a brother named Jerry Bell and myself. It was three of us.
0: And uh were you funking? What were you doing? What were you practicing?
2: Um, well, that's interesting. The way because David had a certain direction. That's why the group didn't really last. Because David had a certain direction he wanted to go in, and mm-hmm. Jerry had one he wanted to go in, and me, forever and always, I just wanted the funk. So we never could really agree on what Direction the group was going to go in, so it, it didn't last very long. But we did go in the studio and we did cut like about two or three um demos. And um, how Harvey, can we hear those songs? I have them on cassette. And uh, Harvey Scales, you may not know Harvey Scales, you may do you that yeah. name sound yeah, familiar? Sound he familiar. wrote uh, Disco Lady, okay? Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. He, he was producing us he produced us for a minute, so, but it, it didn't last more than maybe about four months, that whole situation. Wow. But I have I have a promo picture wow. and demos. Oh, you, 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 I, I didn't know that. You even did a promo. Yeah, we knew oh. we we, You know, we was going to do some stuff. Real
1: quick. Yeah. Up.
0: You're trying to say there were some musicians in the room and they were arguing about stuff? I, I never heard of that before. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you about um, Music Box. Okay. How about that?
2: What was that? Okay, well, that was another group. The, okay, that was before Bad Baby, and okay. this group consisted of a brother named Larry Batiste. Have you heard of him? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, Larry who Batiste, who worked with Clay Tovin.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know who Clay Tovin yeah. is. So the two of them, wow. so they were in oh Magic Music Box. It was Larry, Clayton, myself, uh, James Coffee,
0: James mm-hmm. Coffee, yeah. James
2: Coffee, and two other people that is escaping me right now. Who they were, but everybody from the Bay Area. You know, because the Bay Area at that time, that's where the flavor was. That's Mm. where all the funk was. That's where the magic was as far as I was concerned. Talk about it. So, you know, I I stayed up here and I, you know, even after I left the group, I stayed up here in the Bay Area and just gathered up all the people that I knew. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you, because you've traveled all over. What what would it be about the Bay Area that makes it special? or What what do you think it was since you You assert that?
2: I, you know, I'm not really sure. I think it was the just like what the Bay Area like. How I call it eclectic, because to me back in the day, like there was no the the diversity. Like nobody was tripping. Everybody was helping one another. Right. Like we were all we were all gigging at the same time. Um, Graham Central Station, Sly. Even then, uh, the. Um, Santana Tower Power cause Lenny Williams he sang on right, the right. first Graham Central Station song. So everybody was just trying to make it. And a lot at any given time you could come to the house and anybody would be in that music room jamming at any time. So it was just a feeling of uh it was like a family, really. Wow. It was like a family. There was no competition. People weren't tripping. Everybody was high. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it, it was just a fit. And, you know, they try to talk about pockets of funk in other states. And I'm sure that these people think that theirs was just as magic as right. I feel like ours right. was up here, like okay. in Ohio. Uh-huh, and, right. Especially, they always talking about Big Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. I don't think the Bay Area has ever been um, duplicated. The feeling, the music that came out of the Bay Area, I I haven't heard it from anybody else. Mm -mm. Nobody
3: else. Mm
0: -mm. Hey, Right on. And you know what? You you reminded me when you mentioned some of those other groups. You know what I never knew when I would be listening to Ain't No Doubt About It? And then that song, Warner Brothers Party, come on. Mm -hmm. I like that song, but I never, like, what is this song? Warner Brothers, why, why do they do this? But- uh, GCS was specifically asked to do that song mm-hmm. for the, a big Warner Brothers tour, right? With right. like Doobie Brothers, Tower of Power. That's little a trip. Feet, you Bonnaroo. guys, Little Feet, we got mm-hmm. Little Feet. I'm like, why is he talking about? It? I didn't realize that. that I read your book. The,
2: that was all the acts that Warner Brothers had at the time. So you guys they, went all
0: over with that. Yeah, one.
2: we went to we went uh, all, all over in Europe, and so that. Uh, song
0: that you're talking about. Yeah, why did you guys get picked? That's, that's so cool. And, you
2: know, they picked Larry to do the song. They wanted him to do the song. I guess they wanted it to be funky because at the, the very last gig we had, there was a party for Mo Austin for the, you Mo know. Mo Austin, and, mm-hmm. yeah. And so uh, that was the official party song for the part, wow. you know. Wow. For wow. that function. And they did ask Larry to do it.
1: Well, he's got that radio voice. hmm you know? <laughs> And,
2: <laughs> I have to say this is one time he did actually do something because he didn't, you know, nobody else was around when he did this one. Okay. So this was one time he actually really did do something by himself.
0: So you got to he hear that credit <laughs> on that one?
2: <laughs> how and the, and yeah, it was valid. It was funky. Right. Yeah.
0: I was gonna ask okay. you, how were the other acts on the tour with you guys? Was it all love? Was it rivalry? Was it what whatever? Or?
2: Well, We would always come, like, they would always have us somewhere near the middle of the show because, you know, you had our Little Feet, Bonnaroo, Doobie Brothers, and all that. So what I do know is that every time that we performed, like, we could look over on either side of the stage and— Almost everybody would be there looking at us. So, yeah.
0: I bet. I bet you.
2: Yeah, almost all the time.
0: In Cats school. from Tower mm-hmm. of Power, Doobie Brothers, watching and you guys. And we,
2: and then um, you know, also that goes for people that came to see. The show,
0: uh, okay. Rod
2: Stewart, Mick Jagger, wow. all of them—they yeah, came so and before. saw the. Yeah, they, they came. Doing. I got a picture of Mick Jagger. That's beautiful. In my book, you know that, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, I saw that. And dude, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You guys are getting props, and I was going to mention that. Um, in your book, you make a really interesting point. Uh, not to make everything about criticizing Larry. One other point you make that's really good is people in Europe, you say, and in Asia, like they really um they don't just like their music; they like respect. African Americans mm-hmm. like can you talk about that like you yeah, th- they
2: do. They still do. Right now, it's, that still holds true. Now, mm-hmm.
0: what's the difference, or what is it? That
2: well, the difference is that they respect the music more than than they do over here in America. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they they learn just about respect
2: it. it more. They they study artists that they really love. They study them. They 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 go back as far, especially Japanese people. They go back as far in the history of this artist that they can. Mm-hmm. You go over there, and if a fan is talking to you, you can hardly understand what they're saying to you. However, they can tell you your whole life almost they know every album you've ever been on every person you've ever worked with and then they know all the lyrics to your songs you know that's how they do (laughs) in Japan and in Asia and that's how they do in Europe and of course you know that because you know uh, like Mick Jagger and Rod Stewart and Eric Clapton all those who did they study they studied every blues musician there was those guys are Steve Jimi Hendrix you know so that's how they they do that's how they do
0: do you know? Did that bear out? And like, how people would like treat you when you were traveling there? Did, was there would be a difference there?
2: Did yeah, because they had so much respect for you. So yeah, it did bear out. They, you know, the the fans are just crazy. They're they're crazy. I love them. It was always fun going over there to play. Wow. Always. That's because so they couldn't do enough for you. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, it was right. everything all right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't do it <laughs> enough. Anything? Yeah. 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 They it were was geeking. I love it
0: over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to ask you about, you mentioned it before, the Graham Central Station reunion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, you were you started in Rolls Royce for a little bit in the early 90s and you mm-hmm. were you were gigging with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you left that, there was a chance, I guess it came to get back together with the Graham Central station
2: tour.
3: Mm-hmm. and
0: I guess um did uh, Herschel and Butch kind of help negotiate that or put you in contact with Larry? Yeah, Herschel I, did. When would be the last time you would have talked to him like 20 years before? Something like that yeah. Okay mm-hmm. and so like what um this is very interesting to me especially for all you guys because we mentioned there was getting played there was uh domestic violence yet you were like I'm doing this reunion. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about your thought process or why you think it would be important to do the reunion, not to say, like, um, I'm never going to return again. I'm never going to do it again. Like, talk about that. So much
2: time had passed. Yeah. So um, ultimately, for me, all I ever want to do is keep the funk alive. That's all I want to do. To me, it's all about the funk. So, so much time had passed. So, you know, I was in another space in my life, as far as Larry is concerned. So I did it because I wanted to be a part of um, funk again like that in a real way, in an authentic way. And when Graham Central Station plays together, it's uh, you can't even describe it. So I wanted that feeling again. And I wanted to go to all the places where, like D.C. and all the places we were going, to all the places we were popular. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to feel that energy again. And be a part of funk music again like that. So that that was the main reason why... Because it, it wasn't for the money. Right. So that was the main reason why I did it, just to be a part of it again. You
0: say it wasn't for the money. That's interesting, no. too. No. You know, I just... I don't know. I, I really admire that so much. Let me talk about the the how the gig went. I mean the the tour went though. It sounded like it was some some incredible gigs. Some mm-hmm. of the most amazing shows you've done, especially over like at and, the North Sea Jazz. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's
2: one of the most amazing gigs I've ever. What was done. so
0: amazing about that?
2: The fact that that was the first time I had ever performed in front of. It was so many people. I you couldn't even see where the the people stopped. They wow. just went into the horizon.
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so so I'll always remember that wow. Mm-hmm. wow and um so what was okay this is this is really interesting and I got a quote on this what was the vibe so you're coming back into this it must have been like just so very you no know, all the years have gone by but also like these guys I don't know maybe Stockholm syndrome I'm thinking of like these guys that are in the group like Herschel like were they kind of like getting you informed of like what the group's like now what, what was it like stepping no. back in
2: well you know I was I was kind of you know, I was a little anxious, wondering how it might be. Were like, those guys
0: always with Larry? Like, did they ever mm-hmm, quit?
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody, like, if Larry was going to be tripping, like, how was I going to feel after seeing him again all these years? Right, right. But that first rehearsal, it was like that much time has passed. And then when we got on the stage and started rehearsing, everything just locked immediately back into place. How
0: mm-hmm. much rehearsal before the tour?
2: Um, like about a month.
0: What songs are in the set?
2: Um. Jam, of course, right. hair, feel the need, nice. love and happiness. Uh, uh, what else? Can't stand the rain.
0: Yeah, I know you had can't stand the rain. Mm-hmm. Like, hey. I want to read a, a quote about this on page 70 from the book. Um, okay. So this is um, before the tour. This is mm-hmm. the time I'm talking about. You say in your book, before we started... Larry gave a lame speech. <laughs> he said although GCS had gone through many personnel changes, the original members would probably be the best box office draw. So the decision to reunite was made on this basis. I interpret that BS as no matter how many different people he tried to use, none of them could recreate the chemistry that only existed among the original members. There is only one GCS we knew it and he knew it. So he could miss me with all that crap he was talking. <laughs> <laughs> By the book, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. um, talk, so talk about that. What was he trying to say? Like trying to save face? Like this is a business decision or?
2: Right. Like, you know. Right, exactly. What I said in the book, like, okay, well, the reason why we're doing it, but it was a reunion tour, so how is it going to be a reunion tour Because people wanted to hear it. without the original members. Yeah. Right. So whatever else you're talking about, okay. <laughs> but we know that if it's a reunion tour, everybody needs to be there no matter what's going on. And if I can come back, then, you know.
0: hmm Now, um, so this is when, this is just when stuff gets weird, man. So- you guys were playing at the Fillmore. Uh, maybe it's the same show we mentioned before. So at one point. Yeah, I think it, it was. This, this, oh, come on. I can't even believe this. So at one point during the show, Willie Wilde and David Dynamite, who are still with us at the time, mm-hmm. this is in 96 or something. 96. They, they're they in there. They approach the stage. Right. You're like, fantastic. Right. Here's, here's my brothers. I think one of them even handed you a framed picture, right? Right. David did. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So then you tell us, so what did you think was going to so happen next? So we're up
2: on the stage and we're singing and jamming and the crowd is w- with it as usual. And then all of a sudden the crowd kind of parts like this, you know, the Red Sea. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. I see David and Willie walking up to the stage and, and I'm like, man, there's David and Willie. And I'm thinking to myself, I know Larry's going to call them up, and I know they're going right, to play with us. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm excited. Right. So they come up to the front of the stage, and David has me this picture that he had framed of just he and I on the stage somebody took. And so he gave it to me. So I'm waiting. Okay, what's getting ready to happen next? I know Larry's getting ready to acknowledge them and call them up on stage. And they they sort of kind of hesitated and thought that was going to happen too. Larry said nothing. He didn't even look in their direction. So they just turned around and walked back off. Wow. Walked back into the crowd.
0: What is the thought process behind that behavior, do you think? Is that like excommunication thinking? Like... Is that like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're not in the flock, then. I did not
2: understand that. I don't know what that
0: was. Was that like in the middle? Like, did you have to perform for a while after that? Like, how did you feel? I don't know. I was was
2: sad. It made me sad because I just knew that he was going to call them up Mm -hmm. and they were going to play with us. So when that didn't happen, I was sad and then I was pissed and then I'm standing up there, though, gigging. So I had to like. Come 10. to myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so we just went on with the show. But right. I, I I couldn't believe he did that.
0: Wow. That's and you know what else? Cause like you said, people parted, so people knew who was in they the crowd. Knew. And exactly. Then they witnessed that. Right. That's, and being on stage,
1: if you've seen that, everybody's seen it on right. stage. Right. You know what I'm saying?
2: Because they were right up front. They came right up to the front of the wow. stage.
0: So it sounded like uh the gig, it sounded like a great tour, like really memorable. It was great that you came back. However, that money thing, that credit thing sort of reared its ugly head. So, what was it like? Like a documentary crew or like a live CD got made and yeah, you guys did get peace? that's what, what was happened
2: it? once again. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know anything about it. Next thing we knew, we were doing gigs and here these people are with cameras and.
0: Not oh, you guys, we love you guys.
2: And uh, I, you know, recording and stuff. And we're like, and Larry never did say anything. So Mm. we had to call a meeting in the bus. It's like, Larry, what's going on? So he said that, uh, you know, he had made a deal with somebody and they were doing a, a, a CD, a live CD, uh, you know, and documentary type CD type thing. And we didn't know anything about it. And we weren't asked anything about it. We weren't asked if we want to do it. If we had, if we were given permission to be a part of it. None of that. So uh, that's what happened with that same old stuff. And so shortly after that, the um, tour was over. But it was just the same old shenanigans.
0: And you, um, <laughs> as you described in the book, it sounded like it really got into a thing. It did. And you, you became the scapegoat basically, but you Mm -hmm. really tried to get you. At one point, Larry was like calling you all like stupid. Mm -hmm. You're like, you can let him talk to you like that. Remember you you tried to get. (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, In this meeting. So I guess you paid for that.
2: Larry was, you know, we were trying to talk to him about it and he was busy calling everybody stupid, you know, and, uh, I couldn't stand one more stupid. I, and there was, I was the only one woman besides Larry's you wife. Take one more so I had to, I was a scapegoat, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm yeah. like, how many stupids are you guys getting ready to be on this bus tonight? How many? That was on the so bus? Then, yeah, it was on the bus. So Larry, then he targeted me. It was my fault, probably, that we even having this meeting, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So thats that's how that ended. So I did not leave the tour on a good note.
0: Wow. And, and and you know what? It was probably, they probably just wanted it that way. They just seem to have like something about you that they just have to make sure you have like a bad taste in your mouth whenever. I don't know what it is. If it's your, was it? You have a strong personality. Like, wh- why are you rubbing them the wrong way like that? It's, well, it's just because, a shame. Well, because
2: I'm speaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, being young and being taken advantage of is one thing, but mm-hmm. 20-something years yeah,
0: later? Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. 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 Wow, well, I think that's really great that you did that. And then I also want to let everybody know, because it's just interesting that you say that, and this is so important now. It's why you're here. Um, You haven't talked to the man in a long time, as I understand, but would you you reunite with GCS right now? I would. And why is that? I think that's cool. But that's surprising to hear, though. I would, for the sake of the funk. Keep the alive.
2: Yeah, just for the sake of the funk, because... Once again, the feeling that you get, you know, generating that energy mm, yeah. and and the music and just everything—it's just that's the only time I get that feeling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's when I'm up on stage, and the energy that passes back and forth between uh, the the audience, you know, and the band—it's like yeah. it's the only time I ever, I've ever had that. Yeah. So if I can experience that again, mm-hmm. I would do it.
0: And do it for the people too, and mm-hmm. that's something to me that's very deep. I just want to make sure we get out there because um, I don't know. I don't think anybody would blame you if uh, you got played one too many times, or just you didn't want to deal with. You know, you didn't want to go back. And a lot of a lot of groups don't reunite; they just don't. Mm-hmm. People can't get along. I know I've held a grudge here or there. You know what I mean? It's hard mm-hmm. to do, and all the stuff you talk about, I just think that's amazing. That's amazing to me, and uh, I really admire that. And we all thank you for that. And I, I hope it happens sometime too. I do
2: too you because know what I mean? three of us are gone already.
0: Like we were talking about that before. Mm-hmm. So it's like that would be a good thing, man. Yeah. That would be a great thing. You um you talk about so many interesting things in your book. It's such a great in your, uh overview you guys of funk history and music history and interesting insights and well-written thoughts. There's one uh part more towards the end of the book um where you're talking about Well, around this time, like kind of like late 1990s, which I remember was kind of not a great time for African-American music business. And um, you talk about this time. You say, um, gigs started to slow down. Talking about the late 90s, Jay Stone. Mm -hmm. The music business was changing right before all of our very eyes. Authentic, valid, soul-stirring music was becoming a thing of the past. And that's what the head white men in charge at record companies were paying for. Uh, back-to-school artists are hanging in there, but only a few who work consistently can really make enough money to live on. And this is, uh, this part really stuck with me. Promoters don't really respect the artists and don't offer the money them soldiers and legends deserve. Mm. Most of the promoters are white and have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude because they are a gang of acts out there waiting in line to be taken advantage of. And what's deep about that is we were talking about the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, people don't care what color you are. So it's not really about like a black thing, white thing, but you're just observing that some of these promoters, they have this like this cold attitude, this like take it or leave it attitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, people that, um, well, you're talking about how people are getting treated in Europe. They should really just be worshipped at least, or at least paid a little bit better.
2: Respected for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's
0: like... As soon as like the tide changed with the instruments, um, so it did with the business. Um, what did what did you think about that as far as um, that time and like stuff that you were working on? Because you do, you have done music and since then and past that time, like I love like with Wayne Henderson. Mm-hmm. I love the stuff you've done. So like, how did you get through that? Or what was it like?
2: I just had to, you know, I just had to reinvent myself. So I became that person that everybody was calling to do sessions with, you know? So I, Mm -hmm. I stayed in the studio doing sessions. I was writing songs also. I worked with Wayne Henderson a lot. He had me working with, I worked with him steadily for about three years, everybody he brought in the studio. I was uh he
0: likes that chocolate funk. I was
2: right yeah he, I was putting the funk on it. I was doing background vocal arrangements, um writing songs, um all of that. So it was good to work with him, but in the end, he ended up doing, you know, he ended up ripping me off too. That's another long story. Like songs that I had written with him oh, that or right? for him
3: mm.
2: when the song came out, I didn't know that. my name wasn't on it. Uh. <laughs> He took my name off the songs. I did some songs with him with Ronnie Laws. I have a song on Ronnie Laws. I could go on and on. But anyway, the experience with working with Wayne while we were doing it was fun, but the business part of it was whack again, and he ripped me off again. We need so, to
0: do better, you guys. Like, yeah. if, if you're if Jay Stone writes a song, I don't say like, "Hey, I did that." You know what I mean? Let's right. why don't we? Let's give each other mm-hmm. credit. We're exactly. all friends. We're all family. And
2: money, and money, money, you know legacy. Got to
0: do that. Like yeah. I said before, people understanding who you are and what you've done. You know, you don't you shouldn't have to do a deep dive to find out this stuff. Man, right. they did an eight hour documentary about like Paul McCartney combing his hair, like on whatever that's on Disney Channel. It's okay. like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, not everybody gets that type of analysis. You know, I get jealous of that, man. Right. So
2: after that, after I was doing sessions, then I started doing um uh I was doing a lot of um demos for songwriters. I did that for a while and then I started doing uh, what's known in L.A. as Casuals, the corporate the casual gigs. gigs. Yeah, yeah. we would do. I did Casuals for quite a while, and that was, you know, that was good. You know, it was steady. It was good because they were just starting to starting to incorporate black people into that. Mm-hmm. And so, really, uh, just yeah, starting. Just starting, and it was Motown. They wanted Motown. We were known as the the Motown singers. Okay. So I did that for a while.
0: How did you get looped into that scene? Or did you at least make good connections in that scene? Mm-hmm.
2: I made a lot of good connections. One of the better connections I made was with this one girl. She um, um, turned me on to a session. She turned me on to a session. We well, we met on a casual. She had a session coming up. They needed somebody else besides her. So she turned me on to the session. And that session ended up being, uh, that's how I met Dre. Dr. Dre, Dr. because Ray. he was producing this brother, this this guy named Jimmy Z, who played the funky flute. Mm-hmm. So that's how I met, I met Dre like that. And then while I was in the uh, studio with Jimmy, then um, Kenny Copeland. Uh, the leader of Rolls Royce came into the session to talk to Dre because he and Dre were doing some things. So that's how I met Kenny. So that's how I got with Rolls Royce. Wow.
0: So you hear all that? And Mm -hmm. that's, that's on YouTube too, you guys. Funky flute. Mm -hmm. That's on YouTube as well. Well, gosh, um, you know, we're going to get out of here. Actually we're going to play one more song before we get out of here. And it's just been so great having you here. Um, you mean so much to us. You've really helped us with the show. We're gonna be doing future shows with you as we've discussed. Yeah. Um, let me just ask you a couple of just like quick quick questions okay. before we before we head out. Do you have um a recording of I know there was a group Dynamite Happiness, mm-hmm. David Dynamite Herschel Happiness. Right. Do you have any of those recordings? On cassette. <laughs> <laughs> on cassette, all, right, all, right. all my
2: stuff is on cassette But I have them though we have got I, a compilation. I got about a trillion cassettes
0: We got a compilation we got to put together And, oh I'm a, and I told you and I was going to pull those And you know what, good those on those you out. for saving that
2: And I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to I'm a person of my word
0: How do, how do they sound? Do would you, would you, you think you could get something good with it? I think you could Alright, because I, I think I think I really want to hear that, yeah. I bet you it sounds
2: great It does, it's wonderful
0: Hand it off to Waze.
2: Cause they yeah. did like a sort of like a David he did a, a lot of the singing so they did sort of like a rock sort of type thing it's nice you'll hear it wow
0: right right yeah. on man I want to hear that mm-hmm. um what else I want to ask you well is it true that one time. You went to an Erica Badu concert, and they played the jam?
4: Yeah, they
0: did. They played the jam. She played the jam.
4: Cool. I was, like, very
2: surprised
0: to hear that. You're like, what? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. That, that was surprising, She too.
2: opened up with that song.
0: Oh, they opened up She opened up with it. I'm telling you, people know that's the mm-hmm. main ingredient. Yeah.
2: I love when that happens.
0: I know, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I was looking at a movie that recently got released. I think it was called something like The Saints of New Jersey or something like that.
0: Oh, Saints of Newark.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that. yeah. The one of the very first songs in that, the opening scene. Right,
0: I heard that. <laughs> right, exactly. right, right, In the Sopranos exactly. movie. Right. I heard that. I was like, Psst. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trip when that mm-hmm. happens. That is Amazing. a trip when that happens. Oh, um, one more thing I want to ask you about, um, the Kizzy Kit. We were joking about it before, but I don't think we got it on mic. What is the Kizzy Kit?
2: The Kizzy Kit is something I learned to put together after many years on the road, staying at many dumps, okay? I learned to, even in five-star hotels, I've seen uh, housekeepers do some very nasty things. I've seen them <laughs> I've seen them use the, the the towel that they wipe the toilet with. They wipe out the sink with. Mm. I've seen that with my own eyes because I was sitting there while she was cleaning the room. So I said, okay, I'm going to fix this. So now <laughs> what I do is I have a kit, somebody named the Kizzy Kit, that I bring with me everywhere I go. It's it's really grown at this point. It includes a sleeping bag and my own sheets and my own towels. But it's wow. just, you know, everything to clean with, sponges, rubber gloves, uh, Lysol, wipes. And I've been doing this for years. And when I was in Rolls Royce, you know, I was the only girl. And so they would clown me bad when they would come to the room and they would see me in there cleaning up and stuff. <laughs> and so they would clown me really bad. Chocolate, look at her, she tripping. So then, but before it was over, guess what they were doing? They were paying me to rent my stuff. Whoa. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Chocolate, can I use your your Lysol? Can I use your. Uh huh. You of can. Course. How much money you got? And I charged them. So that's what the Kizzy Kid Guys, was. There you go. <laughs> yeah, money.
3: <laughs> that's
2: what the Kizzy Kid is. It still is. I have it today. I came up I, in the hotel
0: today. I know you, did. I I know you come me. correct? Yes. I, I didn't do. Even need to ask you. Mm hmm. Well, right on. And thank you so much. Um, I don't know if you have any parting words or any parting thoughts you want to shout out to anybody.
2: I do. I just want to say, I just want to thank you. And I also talked to Scott earlier about it, too, and my cousin over here, Jay Stone. You guys are doing wonderful work. And, you know... People, you know, the funketeers, you know, they're getting up there. They, you know, they kind of dropping frequently like flies, really. So it's important to do this kind of work so that it can be a resource in the future so that people can find out what the funk was really all about from people who participated in it and created it and did it. So this is wonderful work. You guys deserve all the credit. I really appreciate (laughs) that you're doing this.
0: Right on, that's that's an honor to, wow, well, that was deep that you said that. And I really appreciate that. It's easy for us, it's easy for me, even though I obsess over it so much and work so hard on it, because like, I'm just so motivated to do this. Mm-hmm. I never think like, oh, I don't want to work on the show, or I don't want to do this interview, or I don't want to talk to this person. Okay. Like other talk shows, they just kind of, they have a show, so they just have people on, like this person's promoting this mm-hmm. movie. or right. Sometimes maybe the host likes them or doesn't. Whenever we have a guest on, you know, guest to us, like each person is like royalty. And, and we can feel like that biggest. too.
2: It's so much fun. I reverence. enjoy working with you. Right on. I enjoy Absolutely.
0: working with mm-hmm. you as well. It's great working with you this third time. Wonderful having you here on the Purple Couch. Thank you to everybody for helping us. Thank you to uh, Don. Thank you guys. And um, On Facebook? What's that?
2: Anybody that wants to contact me? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I forgot to go say ahead. that. Go ahead. You can, uh, you, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And uh, I have a, um apparel um, website, OneStopFunkShop.com.
0: OneStopFunkShop.com.
2: The number one. And uh, what else? That's, yeah, that's about shop. it. Com.
0: Right Instagram on. Instagram
2: and Facebook. Okay, that's it. I think I did everything.
0: And remember, she's a, a published author. Th- and, uh, three books, right. And she'll give you a deal. You know, first one's half off for the Kizzy Kid if you need to borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Um, I just I also wanted to say you you're mentioning um we keep men- we keep trying to stick it in the show, but we haven't really had a place, so I think this might be a good time. wanted to just shout out and give much love to Betty Davis mm-hmm. and she left us right. on February ninth um you guys, you want to hear some great information about what it's like to hang out with Betty Davis, please go to episode eleven of aced out podcast and For our really? girl over here talks about uh, hanging with her, her putting mayonnaise in her hair, and all those great stories, mm-hmm. and that was great insight and Arr, that's another one that I had like kind of a fantasy Maybe you could talk to her And get her on the show And we could
2: I know right We
0: could be the one To bring her You know <laughs> You know what I mean So at least At least you you showed us Some of that And gave us some of that um, This is really great And uh, you know what Since I'm feeling so thankful Let's play Thank you Let's do Thank that Thank you for letting me Be myself again Rusty Allen's coming on next You guys Smell you later mm.
4: Taking for a start Dying young is hard to take Selling out is hard, yeah Thank you for letting me well Feel myself again Different strokes for different folks, yeah
0: how was that 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 was good all right now you can break down thank you thank you thank you harvey harvey are you ready for your kazoo solo that's coming up next